We've been basking in his presence this morning, and we're good enough. We can go on home now, right? <clears throat> I got a message this morning that not all of you are going to like, but you all need it, right? We all need it. Not you all. We all need it. Has the podcast started, Anthony? All right. I'm going to say our name and where we're at just for the podcast, guys. I'm not, I haven't lost my mind, but, but there's people listening all around the world. So um, we're Grace Family Worship Center. We're located at 1816 Kearney Road in Excelsior Springs, Missouri. 64024 is our zip code. Um, you can like us on Facebook if you'd like. Check us out on there. Um, the sermon today is about give what you have. God asks you to give what you have. He doesn't ask you for more than what he's given you already, right? Everything that you have, everything that belongs to you, he gave to you anyway. And I'm not just talking about, just so you know, I'm not talking about financial things today. That's all in this big ball of wax here. But I'm not just talking about financial things. I'm talking about your time. I'm talking about your efforts. I'm talking about, about your energy, right? Mark 12 41 through 44 says this. We're going to start right off in the word, and Jesus said this. Now, Jesus sat opposite the treasury and saw how the people put money in the treasury, and many who were rich put in much. Then one poor widow came and threw in two mites, which makes a a quadrants. So he called his disciples to him and said to them, Assuredly, I say to you that this poor widow has put in more than all those who have given to the treasury. She gave more than all of them. She gave more than everybody else there. Most of the church is living below our means today, though. Can I tell you this? I preached a sermon on this two or three years ago about living below our means, right? Most of the church is living below our means because we are the body of Christ, right? We're the body Christ is the head, and Christ is seated right next to God, so he, he is the source, right? He's the, he's the source. He, he has access to the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, right? He created, the, he created the heavens and the earth. He created the heaven. He created the moon and the stars and, and all the atmospheres, all the galaxies. I don't know how big it gets. I'm not, the, I'm not a scientist, but, but everything that's out there, he created. Are you following me? It's biblical. He created the heavens and the earth, the Bible says. He created, he created the earth and everything in the earth. You look up at the moon, I looked up at the moon the other morning, it looked like a half of a ball stuck through a black cloth, and it was just lit up as bright as can be, right? And there was this little faint cloud right in front of it. It was just beautiful. It was amazing. And God made all that just for you. Amen. He made all that just for us, just so we could live here in it and, and admire the beauty of all those things. And, and, and he, he is the source of our salvation. He's the source of our love, our joy, our peace, our victory. He's the source of our physical healing. He's the, resource, he's the source of our finances. Are you following me? I say that word a lot, right? That phrase a lot. Are you following me? But sometimes you all forget that I'm a participatory preacher. Look at this good-looking couple sitting up here on the front row tonight. I keep saying good evening. Sitting on the front row this morning. It's Sunday morning. Sometimes, (laughs) Sometimes we have what we have because we're holding on to it, though. Are you following me? We're right where we're at because we're holding on to the situation that we're in. Because we're holding on to the finances that we're holding on to. Because we're claiming sickness as our own. Right? I'm going to throw you under the bus real quick, Sister Clara. I still love you. She came up here a while ago and said, I need prayer for my Bell's palsy. I said, I'll pray for you, and I believe that God will heal you, but don't ever say that's your Bell's palsy again. Are you following me? So many times we're holding on to things instead of realizing that we're just a steward of things. We're just a steward over the money that I have in the bank. I'm just a steward over the car that I have in the garage. I'm just a steward over my children. None of those things belong to me. They're all from God. God created everything on this earth. Right? We need to realize that it belongs to God and use it for His kingdom. Everything that we have, everything that we are, we need to use for God's kingdom. It's not yours anyway. It doesn't belong to you. Your name might be on the title, but the title doesn't belong to you either. 
It's all God's. Everything belongs to God. I'm talking about material, time, talents, your tithe, yourself. You can't outgive God. You cannot outgive God. A good steward won't get caught up hanging on to something, though. Look at what happened with our church van. God spoke to me as the man of God, as this local church, and said, give the van to, to uh, Gospel Lighthouse. So I came to the board and I said, this is what God spoke to me. Immediately my mind went off and said, you can't do that. How are you going to haul people? How are we going to haul people? How are we going to get our kids to the youth rally? How are we going to do all these things if we give our van away? And I went to the board and said, here's what the Spirit spoke to me and here's what God said to me. And here's what my head said to me. And they prayed about it and they came back unanimous. Right? Then we brought it to the church at the business meeting. You all know what happened. You, you, you members know what happened. Brought it to you all. Told you what happened. Told you that, that I, myself and the board were in agreement and you all were unanimous. Are you following me? We didn't get caught hanging on to that van, thinking that's the best thing that we're ever going to own. And can I tell you now that we have a much nicer van? We gave that van away, and God delivered us another van for almost half price, half of what it was worth. Way 100% nicer than what we had because we didn't get caught holding on to that thing. It wasn't ours anyway. God gave us that van. Can I tell you that he gave us that van for 400 bucks when we weren't even looking for a van? A man called us and asked us if if we would like to have a van. Right? 400 bucks. And we didn't get caught holding on to that van, so God delivered something much greater than the first thing that he gave us. It's just like that in our, in, our, in our lives, right? God has something better in store for us. He has something better. No matter how good you think you're doing, God has something better in store for you than where you're at. Let me ask you this right here. Look at your life right now the way it is. Look at your finances. Look at your children. Look at your house. Look at your job. Everything may be going pretty good. You might think, that's pretty good. Do you think that's all that God has for you? Do you think that's all that he has in store for you? But if we get caught hanging on to those things that we have right now, that might be likely all we'll ever have. We could die right there where we're at. But if we'll let go of those things and pour them back into the kingdom of God. I'm not just talking about physical things now. I'm talking about of of myself, of my time. I'm talking about finances also, but if we'll let go of those things and pour them back into the kingdom of God, God will bless those things. He'll magnify those things and give them back to us again. Our God's a God of multiplication, Brother Stephen. He's not just addition. He's multiplication, right? Sometimes it's harder, though, for people who have more to give more, right? It's harder for them to give. You saw what he talked about with, with, the, with, the, with the elder lady there. She was a widow, right? They had the two mites. Sometimes it's harder for them to give more because they have more. But people with less sometimes, I don't know if you guys have noticed, it or not, noticed this or not, but sometimes people with less will give you the shirt off their back. Yeah. Even if that's the last shirt they have, yeah. they'll give it to you anyway. This lady here is a model of it. That was the last two mites she had. She didn't care about what she was going to eat later, where she was going to stay that night. She was given into the kingdom of God. Sometimes with people with less will give you everything they got, while people with more will stand there and watch you go out on the street. Are you following me? Sometimes people who have more are greedy. They're stingy. They're holding on to things. They love their money. Maybe more than they love God. Don't get caught holding on to something today. Don't get caught holding on to it. Either They'll either forget or don't realize that God is much bigger than we are. God is much bigger than your money. Can I tell you that today? God is much bigger than your money. You can't outgive God. Try it. Try to outgive God. I'm not just talking about your money, but I'm talking about your time your talents, whatever you have. If you can play an instrument, you should have already been up here, right? But you got to make some commitments. There's some things that go along with that. Try it for one month. 
Can you give God just one month? It's quiet now. I must, I must be right where I'm supposed to be at. Can you give God just one month to tithe with your money right? Tithe with your time right also. Tithe with your talents. Help someone out. The Bible says, what have you done to the least of these? You've done unto me. Jesus Christ said that. Whatever you're doing to the least of those around you, you may not think much of them, but let me tell you, every one of them have worth to God. God thinks about every one of us endlessly, night and day. He's thinking about all of us. So the people that we may look down on or may not want to help, they still have that value to him, right? They're his children. Malachi 3, 8 through 12. This is the last, my last bit here about money, and I'm going to get on with, with the rest of it. 8 through 12. Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. This is God talking himself, right? <clears throat> Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings, he says. And everybody know what the definition of tithe is? A tenth, right? That's the definition of the word tithe. So I've heard people say, well, I pay tithes, but I give $5 on a, on, on, on a thousand. That's not tithe. The biblical definition of tithe is one-tenth or 10%. And it doesn't just mean your money. If you're dealing in chickens, right, and you got 10 chickens this month, you owe God a chicken. Anything that you gain, I'm just using chickens for example, anything that you gain, you're supposed to pay tithe on. To God. It says it's owed to him. Doesn't say it's out of the goodness of your heart. It says that he gave it to you first and you owe him a tenth of it back. Does it not right there? The people who aren't paying him, what's he say about them? They robbed God. Right? Come on. Verse 9 says this You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. That's a picture of our nation today, isn't it? Even the church isn't given. Bring. Not all the churches. I'm not saying that. I'm not getting on to everybody. If it fits you, put it on, wear it around for a while, right? If you're tithing and you're doing everything perfectly, then you might be in the wrong church, right? Because none of us are perfect. We're being perfected. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and try me on this. This is the only word that I've ever read in the only place I've ever read the Bible where God says tempt him, right? Or test him, right? Because every place else it says don't test God. But in this verse right here, God's speaking himself. If you read the King James, it says, test me on this, that there may be food in my house and try me on this. Try me in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out, pour out for you such a blessing that there will be not room enough to receive it. In the King James, it says in the storehouse to receive it. You, you don't have room in your barns to take on the things that God's going to give you. If you'll give him a tenth of what he's already given you, it was already his anyway. If you're not according to the biblical needs, though, we're going to go on to this. Let me read the rest of this. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sake so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. And all nations will call you blessed for you will be delightful. You will be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. All nations will you call you blessed. And they say if you're living according to his statutes, if you're poured into his kingdom, I got a gnat flying around my face. If you're, if you're living according to his statutes and, and poured into his kingdom, nobody's got nothing to say about that. Well, I'm going to go a step further with it. Everybody wants to see a preacher be poor. Everybody wants to see the preacher be broke. You look at these guys on TV who has planes. Not everybody does, but, but the world does most of the time. You see the people on TV who have the big, nice houses and the big churches and the airplanes and all those things. They say, look at him. He's a crook. Why does he need to be a crook? Because he's living according to God's statutes. Doesn't it say that right there? What's it say right there? And all nations will call you blessed. God, God is lifted up when the world sees the church is blessed. 
But church, we got to live according to a statute so that we can get that blessing. Are you following me? That's not the only reason we're, we're living according to the statutes is so we can get the blessing, but that's part of it. And we have to live according to the statutes to get, to get, it's not just money, right? It's the healing. It's the, it's the money. It's your time. What part of your life do you want to be blessed in? Maybe you want to be blessed in one part, so you do one part. Maybe you want to be blessed over here, so you live in that part. And that's where the blessing will lie at. But we want to be blessed in all of our life. We'll pour all of our life. We'll give God every part of our life. Be all in with him. Be sold out with him. If you're not tithing according to the Bible, according to the Bible definition of tithe, which is 10%, look at the people around here who are shaking your head right now. There's a few people shaking their head. Yep, you're right. You're right. Go to someone after church, not right now, someone after church who you know that pays tithes, and ask them why they pay tithes. If you don't pay your tithes, ask them why they do it. And you'll get some answers like this, because I'm being obedient to God, because God said, right there, God said, so I do it because I'm being obedient to him, to him, because you'll get another answer you'll get is because God multiplies anything that I've ever given into him, and I can't afford not to tithe. That's the answer you'll get from me if you ask me. I can't afford not to tithe. I have more now in my life making less money than I've made in the past. I have more money. I have more physical things in my life now and, and spiritual and everything is abundant in my life now because I'm living according to these statues. I can't afford not to tithe of my time, of my money, of my family. I try to give my family to God as much as I can. Are you following me? They'll tell you, they'll, if you ask these people this, they'll tell you of blessing that God has poured out into their life far and above all anything that they've ever given. Anything that I've ever given to God, he's gave me back something much greater. And when we first come to God, most of us do, we have some corks and some hang-ups. This is off the topic of that, but we have some corks and some hang-ups and things that we don't want to give up. I didn't want to give up drinking when I first came to God. I tried to make it all right. I scoured throughout the Word looking and and, and researching it and studying it, trying to, well, Jesus drank. I tried to make it all right to drink for for myself, but in the end, it, it always came back to don't be a stumbling block to your brother. How could I be a preacher? How could I stand up here? How can you even come to church? And say you're a Christian, right? It's not just on the preacher, it's on the, whole, it's on the whole body of Christ. How can you, this is what I was convicted of. I'm just telling you, I'm not getting on any certain person today. But how can I come and do these things and then they see me drinking? If, even if I only have one beer and I'm not drunk and I'm, I'm doing it according to what I think the Bible says, I'd be a stumbling block, wouldn't I? Because they'd see me as a hypocrite. My testimony would be nothing after that. I could never stand in this pulpit and preach to you again if you saw me up here at the restaurant having a beer, right? Half of you'd probably leave. You follow me? Yeah. So they'll tell you of these things that God's poured. So, so those things that we give up, I, I was going somewhere with that. I just forgot for a second. Those things that we give up when we're coming to God, though, God replaces those things with something much greater than we ever had before. Most of you all know this. If you've been here very long, you know that. Have you ever wondered, though, how God replayed this, repaid this woman with the two mites? She did it right in front of Jesus Christ. Think about that. She didn't do it knowing that Jesus was watching her, but she did it right in front of Jesus. Her heart was right. You ever think about how God repaid those two mites? He probably, he likely took care of the rest of her life, right? We read another story in the Bible where, where a woman bakes a cake for the prophet of God and he takes care of her and her son for a long period of time. How do you think he repaid this woman? You ever think about that anyway? How do you think he repaid that woman with the two mites? She did it right in front of Jesus. We need to realize that the spirit is living inside of us. He's constantly watching us all the time. So knowing that and thinking on that while your mind's right there, ask yourself, is he happy with my obedience? Is God happy with my obedience? I was at the altar on Monday, 
and I was praying on this side. It was after work. I was praying right here on this side of the church at the altar, and I was choosing my words really carefully. And I didn't want to say anything out of habit or something that was just redundant because I, 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 want, to, I want to come back to Bethel, and I want to rekindle the fire. Not rekindle like the flames went out or like I've been in any big sin, but I wanted to make sure that, that the fire continues to, can use, continues to burn inside of me, and I want to be close to God, and I want to be genuine with God. Are you following me? Some of you all been here before? Probably most of you have been here before. So I wanted to be genuine with God. So I told him the best thing that I had was, Daddy, I love you. And I just really want you to know that I love you. And then I said, please forgive me of any sin that I have on me. I don't know, I don't know what it is. I try not to sin, but if I have anything on me, please forgive me. Right? And then I said, I want more of you. And I want to be filled with you more all the time. I want more of God in my life. I want my life to shine his, him to shine through my life into the world, right? I was asking him for all these things, and the Spirit spoke to me, and it was just as plain as day. I mean, it was right next to, the, right next to an audible voice, right? He didn't speak to me out loud, but it, it, it hushed myself because he spoke to me that clearly. Any of you all heard from God like this before? It was very clear, he said to me. He said, if you want more of God, give God more of you. And a light bulb went off in my head, right? Something I knew before, I've known that before, and it seems so elementary, but sometimes in the hustle bustle things, life happens and we just forget about the things that seem elementary to us before. So if I want more of God, give him more of him. If I want more of him, give, give, more, give God more of me, right? The Bible said, if you draw nigh to me, I'll draw nigh to you. God said that in the Bible. It's kind of a, it's kind of a form of that. So if you want more of God in your personal life, give him more of you, Right? that makes sense? If you want more of God in your marriage, give him more of your marriage. We talk about this in the men's group all the time. As leaders of the household, men are the leaders of the house in biblical marriages. The man's the leader. So what are we doing to further the kingdom of God in our house, in our marriage with our children? And we, and we come back and we, and we report on that, what we've done this last two weeks, right? So if you want more of God in your marriage, give him more of your marriage. Sit down and have a Bible study with your wife. Pray with your wife daily. Not just one time. I'm talking about an ongoing thing. Have a relationship with God on your own. Your wife should have a relationship with God on her own. Then when you come together, you have your relationship together with God. Are you following me? God will move on that. He will bless your marriage. And then if you're doing that right there, we'll be a healthy church. Because when we come together corporately, just like I said last week, we'll be a powerhouse. A force to be reckoned with. Are you following me? The enemy will get out of our way. He'll move out of our way. We'll be on the offense instead of on our heels. So if you want more of God in your marriage, give him more of your marriage. If you want him in personal life, give him your personal life. If you want him in your finances, give him more of your finances. I'm not just talking about giving to the church. I'm talking about tithe. But also ask God to teach you how to be a better steward. Ask him to show you what it is you're supposed to buy, what you're supposed to do with this money. If you're supposed to save this money, if you're supposed to put it in stocks, stop making decisions on your own. We have the God who knows the end from the beginning, yet we don't go to him to make our decisions. We figure it out with our own little pea brains in our own human wisdom. Doesn't work very well. It might work fairly well, but it'll work a lot better if we go to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and ask him what we should do with our finances. So if we want God in our finances, put him in the middle of our finances. We want more of God in our children. Give him more of our children. Put him in our kids' lives. Force your kids to come to church. They live in your house. You eat my food. You're using my electricity and my water. When I go to church, you're going to church. Are you following me? If not, you're going to start losing some things. You you don't have, you lose, you get it. If you want more of God in your kids' life, give him more of your children. Right? We, 
Brenda showed all the teachers in a, in a young educators, uh, a youth educators class, or Brenda did, my mom did, I think, in a youth educators class last week, a video that Grace, that she made of Grace. Um, we were in, in, I think it was Academy Sporting Goods, and I was about five aisles over in the men's shoes, and I was looking for a pair of tennis shoes, and I heard these two kids fighting, and they were going at it, and I thought, surely that's not my kids. Usually you can recognize your kids right off the bat, but I mean, they were really getting with it. And I said, surely that's not my kids. And I stood there for a second. I listened a little bit more. And it was. They were having a cat fight about five aisles over. So I went looking for them. I ended up whooping both of them. But, but I got onto them. And, and Brenda had bought them a pair of snow boots and a pair of sandals. But they didn't have the sandals in the store. What happened was Joe found a pair of sandals. She liked She got You've seen them have them on this morning. Joe got those sandals on her feet. And Grace wanted them. So she was trying to rip them off of her feet. And they were getting after it, right? <laughs> They were getting after it over there, and I could hear them, and they, it was embarrassing for me. I went over there and got onto them, and, and Brenda wouldn't, they only had one pair of these shoes in the whole store, and they were the same size. So she ordered them both and wouldn't buy them to take home with them that day, and they had to deliver them to the house. I told her she shouldn't have bought them anything acting like that. But my wife's soft-hearted, and she already did that. So I took them to the truck, and I, and I spanked them on the way to the truck. Before we got to the truck, they got a spanking, and they were mad at me, and they were still having a fit. We went over to Dick's. I didn't find the shoes I wanted, so we went to Dick's Sporting Goods, and I went in there. And I, was, and I found my shoes, but while I was looking for shoes, uh, Brenda took them to the bathroom because they were snotting and carrying on, and they, they, they were a mess. So she took them in there, and Grace was having a fit, and she, she said a light bulb went off in Grace's head. She said, I know what he's trying to do. He's trying to control us. <laughs> and, and so Brenda whipped out her phone and started taking a video of this. She said, Dad's trying to control us. I know what he's trying to do. If we ain't letting him do it, we're not getting under his control. And <laughs> so we got back in the truck. Got out there, and she was giving me the what forward, everything she started to. And I said, well, get out of my truck then. You want to walk? She said, no, I don't want to walk. She got quieted down. But, but I said all that to say, we should have control of our kids. Yeah. Finally, on the way home, she told me, all right, Dad, I'll get under your control. <laughs> I had to threaten to throw her out over it. <laughs> but, however, and she's five. Uh, there's power in your words because my mom spoke this on her when she was born. She said, oh, no, she's a redhead. You're going to have your hands full. I said, I rebuke those words in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. But however, she's five years old. So we should have control of our kids, though, right? I told you this. Of our minor children, we should control them. We should control where they go, what they do. If they get an allowance, how they spend that allowance. Are you following me? Not as a dictator so much. Well, I'm kind of a dictator of my house, but you get what I'm saying. You got to let them be kids also. You have to let them be kids, but we have to have control of them in a godly way I'm talking about. The Bible says train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he will not depart from it. The Bible says spare the rod, you spoil the child. God said whip your children, right? He, he said beat your son. It won't kill him. He did. I don't believe in child abuse at all, and I'm not preaching that today. I'm talking about hitting them on the rear end with not, over, not overwhelming force. You, you get what I'm saying. There's a godly way to, to, to train your children up. It says honor your mother and father. Kids, if you're listening today, you're supposed to be honoring your mother and father. You should be under their control already. You should be under the authority that your parents have, that God gave to them to be stewards over you until you have enough sense in your head to get out of their house. Amen. Are you following me? <laughs> Let God have, if you, if you want to have God have control of your life, let him have control over your life. Turn your whole life over to him. Turn your whole life over to him. We're just stewards, right? Our life is like a vapor, it says. We're here today and gone tomorrow. Thank you, Brother Rick, for that amen. <laughs> We're here today and gone tomorrow. And you're not taking a thing with you out of this world that you didn't bring with you. Remember what you brought here? Your birthday suit. 
And that's what you'll leave with. They might put some clothes on you to put you in a hole, but they're going to rot off. You ain't taking nothing with you. It's God's. It belongs to him. You're taking nothing with you but what you brought. Look at all that God gives us. And we struggle with giving to him, with giving into his kingdom. We struggle with that. We all do it. I was talking about people with more and less, but, but that's, just, that's just a lot of people. A lot of us struggle with giving into God, whether it's, whether it's our finances in different areas of our life, we struggle. I'm not just talking about money here. I'm talking about everything. This time of year is a beautiful time of year. You want to talk about what God gave to us. This week, I was walking out behind my house. We have a creek that goes through our backyard, and then we have a little more property behind that. And I was walking out there, and these, there's these purple wildflowers that grow up, and they're about this tall, and they grow up, and they've got little purple flowers. Some of you all know what I'm talking about. They're everywhere this time of year, but, but they're just beautiful. God gave us those little flowers. We didn't plant them. They just come up there. Even the dandelions, you look out there in the dandelions, at this time, I know they're a, they're a hassle and they grow up and they got the, they got the little seeds that fly all over and stuff, but that's the little, little yellow thing. We've been in winter for a long time. Everything was brown, if y'all didn't notice. And now the grass is greening up and it's pretty and it's springtime. And even those little yellow spotches all through the grass, they kind of have their own beauty. Grace and Joe love them. They kind of have their own beauty to them too, if you'll back up and look at them. Right? Grace and Joe love dandelions. They pick them and give them to everybody for anything that you do. You get a dandelion. However, God gives us that. He gives us all the redbud trees. All the, all the, our trees outside here are beautiful, right? The dogwoods he gives us, the white trees. He gives us the fruit trees. We have fruit trees in our yard, and they're just covered with blooms this time of year. He gives us the birds that we get to look at. I mean, all the sights and sounds and smells that are in nature, right? The water and the food that we eat, the houses that you live in, our family. Our children are beautiful, and they're smart, and they're healthy. Are you following me? We have so much to be thankful for. Our health. We sang that song earlier. It's your breath in our lungs. God puts breath in our lungs. Every, every breath that you take, you're dependent on God. I'm dependent on God for every breath that we take. Fresh air. Over 3,300 promises in the Bible that he promises. All these things that God gives us. Why shouldn't we give something back to him? Why shouldn't we give something back? In a relationship, a relation has to reciprocate. It has to reciprocate. I mean, we can never give as much as God does, but we have to give him some. Why wouldn't we give him some? Why wouldn't we want to pour into that relationship with him? When we pour into that relationship, he pours into that relationship. He's got a lot bigger picture than you have. Why wouldn't we want to pour into that relationship? In John 15, the whole chapter, you'd have to read it. It's really good. But in John 15, Jesus said, I am the vine. He says that God is the source. He's the main vine. Jesus is grafted into that main vine, right? And then we're grafted into Jesus. Are you following me? So Jesus is our source. Whose source is God? He's seated at the right hand of God. Does that make sense to you? He's glorified because of the fruit you produce in your life. He's glorified when you're blessed. The fruit that we produce out of our life, the good fruit that we produce out of our life, he's glorified. Jesus is the head of the church, right? So he has, he's tapped into the power that God has. And we're tapped in, a healthy church is tapped into the power that Jesus has through God. It's like a grapevine. Anybody ever grown a grapevine? I've been working on a couple of them for about three years. And in the first few years of them, if you know anything about them, I I don't know a lot, don't pretend to know a lot, but I've been reading about them. In the first few few years, you got to prune those vines back because you don't want it to grow up into a big plant with a little root. You want to prune that thing back and keep the plant on the top small. You don't let it produce too much fruit in the first few years. Mine haven't produced any fruit, but you don't want it to produce a lot of fruit in the first few years because all the energy will go to that fruit, Right? You see, you see a relationship here? All the energy will go to that fruit. Instead, you prune it back so it spends the first few years getting involved in the dirt. Right? It develops a root system. It's where it gets its water and its nutrients. 
Are you following me? So you want to grow this big root system with a small plant. And then you let the plant grow when the root system is bigger than the plant is. That's a picture of us being rooted into Christ. God gave me that right over here. I pray on this side of the church sometimes too. On Wednesday after church, I was at this altar. And this one he gave me this was on this day. We must develop a root system in the church, though. Not hopping around from church to church to church. When someone says something to you that offends you, if God calls you into a church, if he called you to this church or he called you to the church next door, you need to get in that church and get involved in that church. Are you following me? Unless the leadership, not the people in the church, if the leadership is doing something illegal, unethical, right, or unbiblical, then you can leave. Or if God tells you to go somewhere else and preach over here, then you can leave. But you don't get to leave a church just because you don't like the church. If God's placed you in the church. If God hasn't placed you here, then get up and go where he sent you to. Are you following me? But if he's placed you here, this is your place. You need to put roots down like a tree planted by the water. What's the word say? Like a tree planted by the water, you shall not be moved. If you're moving from place to place to place to place, you'll never pick up a big root ball. You'll never be rooted in Christ because you're not rooted in that body. You're not rooted there. You need a strong, a strong root system will produce much fruit. It'll produce better fruit, sweeter fruit. Are you following me? A weak and adequate root system will produce little fruit. A, uh, the, the bigger, stronger root system, the, the bigger, the stronger a root system is, the more and the better fruit it will produce. Right? What kind of fruit are we having coming out of our lives? Look at your roots. If you're not happy with the fruit, look at your roots. Look at what you're giving into the kingdom of God. Look at the time you're spending with him. Be careful not to get hung up, though, holding on to a little bit of fruit. Because like I said, you can let that plant grow big and it'll produce a bunch of fruit, but it'll wither out and it won't stay good long. Right? It'll almost suffocate itself out because it's not tapped into the source. It has to have a big taproot into the source. <clears throat> it'll stop you from being grafted into the vine. If, you're, if you get caught holding on to that fruit, it'll stop you from being grafted into the vine. At the altar on Wednesday, that's when I was at the other side of the church, <clears throat> I, I, I didn't want to become complacent. And just have a relationship with God in passing. Anybody ever had a relationship in passing before? Someone you work with? It's more like an acquaintance. I, don't, I can't afford to let my, my relationship with God be like an acquaintance. Be just in passing. I have to be all the way in with God, giving him everything. Everything, if that's true then. Everybody, I heard a few amens there. If that's true then, everything else must take a back seat. To grow in that root system. To getting tapped into the, to the kingdom of God and tapped into the, to the source. Just like the woman with the two mites, everything took a back seat. Her eating took a back seat. Her well-being of her physical body took a back seat to what she was doing for the kingdom of God. Are you following me? That's big right there. That's big right there. Everything else in my life has to take a back seat. Even my preaching has to take a back seat. Ministry has to take a back seat because I have to have my root system. You must have your root system. Without my root system, I must be living close to God. I can't minister to you. I can't feed you if I haven't been well-fed myself, if I haven't been studying and reading and spending time with God. If you're not doing those things, if I'm not giving in the kingdom of God, how can I preach to you about it if I'm not doing it, right? I can't do those things unless I've been well-fed and nourished and given what I need to, giving it to God. Are you following me? We're all on the same page here? In the same way, you can't spiritually feed your family. If you're not pouring into the kingdom of God, can't do it. It won't happen. If you're not feeding yourself and putting roots down yourself, your kids aren't going to have it. Are you following me? Your finances aren't going to be ever right. Right? You're always going to be struggling or worried about something if you're not putting those roots down. 
how strong your commitment is to, to God and the local church. Not when I say this, I'm not saying the local church is equal to God. I'm saying the local church is the source to God. Are you following me? Because I've heard a lot of people say that, that we have church at home or we have church at my grandma's house. We do all these things, and, and that's fine, except the Bible says, because the Bible says, fail not to, commit to, to assemble yourselves. So if you're assembling yourself at home, okay, but, but hear this out. The Bible says that Jesus is the head of the church. It doesn't say that Jesus is the head of grandma's house. Are you following me? God calls people to be pastors for a reason. Because you're supposed to find your pastor that God leads you to and get underneath that pastor and learn and listen and feed off of and grow that root system down where God wants you to grow it down at. Because the church isn't going to operate correctly out of grandma's house. Are you following me? It's, it doesn't work that way. That's not biblical. That's not, what the, that's not what the Bible says. So how strong your commitment is to God and to the local church will directly affect your family. Right? If you can't find it in yourself to make it out to church on Sunday and Wednesday, it's going to affect your family. If you can't find it in yourself to give of your time, it's going to affect your family. If you can't find it in yourself to pay your tithes, it will affect your family. You think it won't? Listen to this. If your job is your first priority, it'll show in your family. Some of y'all know exactly what I'm talking about. If your hobby is your first priority, it will show in your family, right? If an addiction is your first priority, here's a big one. Everybody can see this. If an addiction is your first priority, it will show in your family. God has to be first in all things, in everything, God has to be first. He's not asking for anything you don't already have. He's not asking you to give him more than you got. He's just asking you, asking you to give what he's, what he's already been given by him. Right. Hand it back to him, and he'll bless it, right? And he'll magnify it, and he'll cause it to be more and greater than what you had the first time. But if you hold on to what you already got, that's where you'll be stuck at. That's likely where you'll be stuck at. Our enemy is lulling us to sleep. Church, our enemy is lulling us to sleep. With all the things he keeps us busy, busy with, we think we're getting so much done. Have you ever seen anybody who was high on drugs, on speed? You've seen them before? You see how they jitter around, they're going so fast. They think they're getting a lot done, but they really ain't doing nothing. They're tearing up more than they're getting done, right? That's what we look like today. The enemy is lulling us to sleep. He got us so busy working at a job, taking care of a family, doing all the things that we think are so great, but we're not taking the time to put our roots down. He's keeping us busy with all these other things. They keep us powerless. They keep us like a little, a little dog you lead along with a little bait, right? You ever train a new puppy? When you have a little food, you can lead them anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of what we look like. All the things that, that, that he keeps us so busy with, we think we're getting so much done. But what about our spirit? What about your spirit today? What about that? That's more important. What about the spirit of our families, of our children? Our kids are only young for a little while. Grace and Joe come to me all the time wanting to snuggle. And I get up at 4 o'clock in the morning, as tired as I am, I don't want to mess with them. I want them to go get in their bed and shut up and go to sleep so I can get in my bed and shut up and go to sleep. But I never tell them no because I know they're only going to be that age for a little bit. In five, I mean, Grace is five now. In five more years, she won't want to snuggle with Dad anymore. Our kids are only young for a little while. You'll blink and it'll be past. You won't have that much influence over, over them anymore. You won't have that influence anymore. You better pour it into them now. Before you know it, they'll be out the door. You better be putting your roots down now so that you can help them with their roots. You can't pour into them without yours. The enemy is lulling us to sleep, though. Proverbs 24, 33-34 says this, and I'm just about done. I can't even hardly spit anymore. 
<clears throat> a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. So shall poverty come like a, like a prowler and your need like an armed man. Like an armed man. Wouldn't you say the enemy is robbing us out of our blessing? He's robbing us out of our healings. Just by stringing us along all the time, lulling us to sleep. You stay busy over here at this job. I'm going to give you good pay. I'm going to give you good pay. Don't take your Bible in there. Those people are going to laugh at you. It's okay. And he lulls you to sleep and rocks you around. Spend some more time with your children. Spend some time with your family. You got that hobby over there. You got that addiction, that thing you like to step out on God with. Take care of that. Don't worry about your roots. Don't worry about your spirit. And we're sleeping. We're lethargic and lazy. Are you following me? What about your spirit? What about the spirit of your children? What about the spirit of the people who are looking up to you? Are you following me? What about them? I don't believe the scripture is just physically. I believe it's spiritually. I believe it's physically as well. I believe he's robbing us from our finances. He keeps us broke if he can. Keeps us where we're worried about paying things, even if you're not broke. When you got more money, you got more bills usually. He just keeps you busy with those more bills is all he does. And he's lulling us to sleep the whole time. When you get the more bills, then you got bigger payments, then you got to work more. And he's lulling you to sleep instead of worrying about your roots. Instead of worrying about your spirit and your kids' spirit and your family's spirit and ministering to the people around you, making sure that they all go to heaven. What's it matter if you live in the White House if your kids go to hell? You haven't gained anything. You're not taking that house with you anyway. Somebody else is going to come live in it. Somebody else is going to possess it. Can I get every head bowed at this time? Father, we thank you for this day, Lord. We love you, Daddy, and we praise you, Lord. I'm not even going to do an altar call today, Father, because I feel your spirit moving so strongly, Lord. I believe that you're dealing with people, Lord, and we have this, Father. And I pray if you're here today, Lord, I know you're here today, Lord, but I pray that you would touch the people who are here today, Lord, and, and just lead them closer to you, Father God. Lord, cause them to worry about their spirits, Father God. Cause us all to worry about our spirits, Father. Get our roots put down, Father God. Think of our children, Lord. Think of our relationship with you, Lord, and just pour into you and your kingdom, Father, in every way, Dad. I pray that you would quicken us to do this on this day, Father God. Not just today, Lord, but tomorrow and the rest of the week, Dad. From now on, Father, Lord, we pray this to you in Jesus' name, Father. I pray that you would protect us. And bring us back here at our next time, Lord, at our next appointed time, Father, with visitors, Dad. We pray this to you in Jesus' mighty name, Lord. Have your way in our lives, Lord. If there's anything in my heart, Lord, that's not by, right, right by you, Father, I pray that you would purge it out, Lord. Burn it out. There's nothing more important to me than you, Father, in our relationship, Lord, and the anointing that you've placed on my life, Daddy. And I pray that you would cause these people to think the same way, Lord. Their, to, 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 their hearts just yearn for you, Father God. Quicken us, Lord, and light a fire in this congregation, Dad, I pray that the world can't contain, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray these things, Daddy. Amen. Amen. We'll have a, we're going to have a missional meeting here in about